Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Horror Bites on Safe Room, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm the King of Quake, Neil Bolt, and I'm joined as ever by our very own genie of the lamp, Jay Krieger. Hey, what's going on? Not too much. Um, in this week's episode, we go moisture farming in a throwback point-and-click adventure, and then learn what not to do in the event of an earthquake. These games, as ever, can be found on Itch.io, and if you play them and enjoy them, we must insist you give something for the developers' hard work, because everyone knows you've got to give. Jay, for my first wish this week, I would like you to introduce our first miniature morsel of horror gaming goodness. Yeah, so my pick for the week was the third wish from developer George Broussard. And in this, it's a sci-fi point-and-click adventure about a family of moisture farmers who are presented with a monkey's paw, which can grant them any wish based on their desire. But as usual, this comes at a great cost. Yeah. Without starting things by talking about sort of the narrative aspect of it, which I would say is probably best left to just experiencing for the player themselves instead of going into a great deal of detail. Um, but without, you know, really detailing sort of the narrative aspect of this, it is an incredibly impressive little bite size of horror because this game not only has this really gorgeous pixel art style, um, which is vibrant, full of detail. It's a world that you can interact with lots of different elements and structures within it. And some of them have to do with puzzles, but some of them, it just kind of provides this lore, basically, of the world or flavor text, if you will. Yeah. And it does a very you know, thorough job in detailing the world, kind of giving you a sense of what these people's lives are typically like day to day. Granted, you know, they're, uh, it's not exactly the most exciting or thrilling work, <laughs> but it's a living being a moisture farmer in the desert, uh, which the various characters sort of comment on. And the game overall sort of begins with this sort of uh, dark humor, sort of morose humor, I suppose, uh, which does a great job, I think, of kind of taking this sci-fi premise and making it a little more relatable, mm. I suppose, or giving it a bit of its own identity rather than just, you know, this kind of uh, typical thing where it's like, okay, yeah, we're stationed out in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy, in the desert and whatnot. And it kind of, in a short amount of time, makes these characters a little more personable yeah. um, without a great deal of, you know, previous interactions between characters or even much of a uh, sort of background information spiel, if you will, at the very beginning of it. Um, I would say it's really impressive from the puzzle side of things in that, you know, they are very logic based. And I yes. would almost say 
you kind of have certain expectations when you go into these experiences. And I actually was stumped for a moment because I didn't realize how in depth mm. some of the puzzle mechanics or the logic that goes into those puzzles was. Um, that was something where like right off the bat, I was just like, oh, how do like, how am I not understanding how to do this or finding the answer really quickly? Cause it should just be right in this one location. And then you realize that this world itself actually like is quite large. Mm. There's four main sort of environments that you can travel between freely and, you know, you can find items there, which then sort of unlock the various areas. And I really appreciated that the game opens with something that, you know, you and I talk about a great deal, which is sort of like putting you in the mundane shoes of the subject of an experience, walking through this moisture farmer's routine, daily routine of just, you know, maintenance basically on this machinery and whatnot. And that does a great job, again, of sort of just getting the player into this world and understanding of the day-to-day aspect of these people's lives. So that way, when you get to that, you know, sci-fi sort of uh, supernatural narrative of the monkey's paw and, you know, how they arrive at the decisions that they decide at, it is already very clear because you've seen what their Mm -hmm. lives are like. So it's not a stretch to be like, oh, yeah, I see why they would go about these decisions that they make once they are sort of imbued with this uh, magical power and whatnot. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say is that I was incredibly impressed also that this is a fully voiced experience and there's multiple characters and they're all voiced by the same voice actor, which is Travis Baldry. Um, who did the voice for, I think it was four or five different characters. And I didn't realize that until I saw it in the credits at the very end. You know, they've got a great variety of characters and backgrounds with them and whatnot and performances that uh, are surprising to be from, you know, a single individual. Mm, um, and I guess just the fact that this was made in two weeks for an Adventure Jam this year um, is furthermore just like pff, the fact that somebody was able to do this in two weeks and it didn't take them two months yeah. uh, is just, I mean, amazing. Yeah, I mean, visually it's remarkable on that front, you know, to sort of evoke that LucasArts sort of era of um, point yeah. and click. Something like the dig. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've seen that reference for this and yeah, it's a, a good shout on that. And, you know, I think, yeah, okay, if you would like to be really scrutinising it on a normal game level, you can see where the corners have been cut occasionally in terms of like to get it to be working in the state it's in. But, you know, very small cuts, you know, when, when you really look deep at this. Now, I think, you know, in terms of the way that the story plays out and that sort of scene setting, in a way it feels maybe a little heavy-handed to sort of go in with this very dry, this is our life, blah, 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 this is what we do thing. But I liken it to, you know, one of those sort of Stephen King things of having, you know, a very normal very ordinary place and then you know peeling back the layers to have introduced something into that place that isn't normal and how it affects that normality and mm. you know that's you know one of my favorite ideas in, in fiction is to have that you know where this corruptible force coming into a town of ordinariness you know even in space this is ordinary you know so but <laughs> yeah you know, i really like that sort of aspect of it and as you say with the puzzles, it is very old school in the approach and very much, uh, you know, slightly interesting when you are doing horror bites every week and most of the games are pretty much just keep going, just keep going. End is here. There you go. And um, I think this week we've got two games which give you a little bit more to work for, you know, I think. And this one especially gave us 
plenty to sort of think about as you uh, go through the, the different areas of it. But it's worth it because I think for the short story it's telling and I think it is really smart how it's been structured to be like a short story considering what you would normally expect of a point-and-click adventure of that ilk. You know, it's very much doesn't feel like you've been cheated out of the rest of a game in a way you know it feels like this mini miniature experience of something that honestly wouldn't have felt like it was possible to be miniature you know before so mm. yeah I, I really enjoyed that about it the amount of sort of legwork that went into this and it doesn't feel like an experience that is kind of like rushing to the narrative aspect mm. of it right it really does kind of let you soak in that environment and soak in that world um, in a way that, you know, you would expect of a much longer experience. And for one like this, that's probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, it's definitely welcomed. And ultimately, it felt like a prologue chapter for a project that is either trying to get funded or would be expanded upon. Um, and it really was the type of thing where it's just like, oh, man, yeah. I want more of this. But, you know, granted, for the nature of the narrative, uh, it's not that type of experience. But you can see just the amount of depth that went into you know, the first and the second half, those being the most distinguishing, um, you know, different types of experiences within this one horror bite. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, it feels like a uh, sci-fi episode of Twilight Zone. Yes. And, you know, it has an intro outro that's clearly a homage to it yeah. um, that I got a kick out of as well. That really was this kind of like nice shot chaser to the overall experience and where that narrative goes. And yeah, being super vague about the story, but it's the best uh, type of thing, just to experience it for yourself. Yes. And, you know, yeah. it's definitely a standout. Yeah, and I think also with the story, yeah, the, the main concept of it is pretty self-explanatory once you think about right. it. Because how many times have we seen that idea go that way, you know? And you know, so, of course, it's always that message of be careful what you wish for is always there. And this is that, you know, straight away. You know, the, the fact that it is an effective monkey's paw is enough to tell you. Um yeah, you're not to be fucking with, with the wish wish makers uh, as it uh, goes. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, that's a good, strong, different pick. You know, again, to have something quite sci-fi, you know, themed and be very sort of not showing its sort of horror side till much later in and really sort of getting into the culty sci-fi stuff first worked pretty well for me. And I think in both cases this week that that has been a thing where. Uh, they have felt like very different experiences to a lot of what we've played recently, you know, and um, while this is more traditional, I think, you know, if, you know, I think with the other game, we had something a bit different again, you know, which is a lot harder to sort of figure out for a different reason. So for my second wish, I'd like to know more about what to do in an earthquake and perhaps have it fed to me in a way my dear old brain can understand. So well, that's something like, I don't know, an instructional program on a 90s PC. How does that sound? And we'll look at that. That exact thing has turned up in the form of sin, uh, brackets, E, S, so sign, sins. Um, a new game from Future Reality with Softworks, a small team that features developers from a game we recently featured, changed um, on this very show, and the composer of Spookware, uh, Victor Krauss, so, which again, didn't know until after I played this, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, it's like, and then, then playing it and hearing the vibes of it, it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it a bit more, considering who was involved with making what and changed and stuff. Um, so, yeah, basically, as it says, it's doing that thing where it's 
saying this is what it is, not a video game. This is an, an interactive piece of software presented to you by the uh, Seismic Safety Commission. It's supposed to simulate the events of a catastrophic earthquake and prepare trainees for all eventualities. Now, you, the thing it gives you when you get to this load screen, and it is a very old school 90s PC setup, you know, that whole proper, you know, tabs, everything like that. And then you are on this page, the SSC that has two top clickable links of guides and interactive demo. So the demo obviously is the meat of the game, but you should definitely go in with the guides first just to get a little flavor of what you're going for. And because I think it just makes that swerve into what this game becomes a lot more interesting. Now, once you've read the guides, which is you know, basic earthquake stuff, you know, or oh, be out in the open, be careful if you're on you know, a hilly area because of rock slides and like this. Just general advice that you know, you've probably heard of people have earthquakes and, and earthquake problems. Uh, and then that's supposed to sort of guide you into what happens in the interactive demo. Now, the interactive demo is very much visually supposed to look like this sort of um, very 90s, early 90s sort of PC experience. Uh, in so many ways, it has that sort of sickly colour scheme going on and, you know, these sort of very ill-looking, like, textures. I, I always say that you could sort of uh, give a lot of educational stuff at that time. And, yeah, essentially it's simulating that you are in this you know, collapsed something, you know, it's a collapsed building or whatever. Um, but you have a computer type screen with what sounds like you can sort of make correspondence with the outside world and emergency services. Now you basically with the keys on the keyboard, you just move from different area to different area. And occasionally something will come up that you can interact with by pressing F. Um, the main one of these being is tuning the frequency of the you know, where you can get the transmissions from. And so it's just basically, you know, an up-down, meet-the-wavelength sort of minigame thing. And for a while, it keeps doing this, where you keep going round and round. You're not sure if you're actually making any progress or you're just going round in circles. And then different things start coming up on this, you know, on this computer. And before you know it, a little paranoia starts creeping into everything. A little, you know, it starts telling you what to, you should be watching out for and... You should be worried about what's coming and then there are noises and then things happen and you, know, you get brief glimpses of what's supposedly coming for you. And yeah, it kind of swerves you from what you were supposed to be thinking about with this really. And you know, I did find at the end of it that I, I was quite shocked I'd forgotten the, the point of what was actually going on and they're like, oh yeah, now this makes sense. You know, but it was an interesting sort of journey it took me on. And, you know, that music is fantastic for what it's doing. It does just feel very greatly early 90s again. Um, what we talked about this actually with Changed and many other games where, you know, there's an emulation of like 90s aesthetic, which is usually PlayStation, you know, and stuff like that. Whereas this is the first one in a while I've felt that really does just feel PC, you know, like that earlier adoption of PC that I had where you find these weird stuff. Um, not just the educational stuff, but some of the early sort of point and click stuff uh, even. And If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. 
After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah, so it's stuff that doesn't really give you an idea of what the hell you're supposed to be doing, but you're supposed to be informed in some way. And uh, I love that for it. There's a clear knowledge at play here that works so well. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. Uh, what about you? I was really taken with this. And I think the best credit that I could give to it is the fact that it makes you forget, kind of like what you had said, it makes you forget basically like what the purpose of all this is. Because at first I was kind of like, okay, I didn't necessarily read much about it on the page. I kind of just dove right into it because that sort of pixelated, cell-shaded graphical style mm. really stood out to me. Um, and so I dived right into it and then I was greeted with, you know, the recreation of that 90s uh, web page thing, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, I even I remember this. Yeah. Like this right, is right this was my the, bread and butter yeah, back in the right day." Right down to the little the whirring noises in the background and stuff for the computer. I thought it was a. It's weird how nostalgic you get for things like that. You know, like, wow, yeah, that, that's that, that's a sound that, that really is sort of resonating. Or even just you know when you're scrolling through the web page and you click on the first tutorial video of like what you do in the event of an earthquake and the fact that it's so limited that it's just a play and a pause and then you can't even jump ahead. Like little things like that that some people might view as like antiquated. It's like, yeah, it is. because. And I remember watching videos back in the day on, you know, the first uh, days of YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And that was sort of the format. So it was like taking sort of like making me nostalgic for uh, the early era of PC. But then also the fact that, you know, the game does a great job of just building that atmosphere of the fact that the videos that you watch previously, which you can skip, I believe, but you really shouldn't because I think they're this perfect primer for sort of setting you up for the experience, but it doesn't lead too heavy with the horror. It's yeah. kind of like uh, the third wish, right? That really doesn't get into sci-fi or horror outside of the setting until the final mm. act of it. And I think that that is such a smart direction to take with horror when you have such a limited amount of time as you do with horror bites. So for something like this, that kind of eases you into a routine and then drops you into that basement. And, you know, you kind of have this a little bit of a disorientation in terms of like, okay, I'm mastering my moving around this environment. And then what can I interact with? And, you know, it was really great not only to have those tutorial videos, which kind of give you an idea of a setting, yeah. but then basically put you in a nightmare scenario. But some of that information that you were given is not necessarily helpful, mm -hmm. right? You kind of still have to piece together what you're supposed to be doing and how you make progress in this basement, which I think does a really good job of kind of instilling some semblance of tension in the fact that like, no matter how well prepared you are, you can get thrown a curveball, and then you have to kind of like roll with the punches yeah. of your scenario, which is very much what this is. And, you know, I think that it only gets better. I think early on, it's a, it feels a little aimless, right? Because yeah. you don't know if you're actually making progress, especially when you go from that sort of tuning the frequencies minigame to then you can interact with either, I think it's like a caved-in door or just the ceiling, right? And it, it periodically you'll hear banging or something like that, or dust will fall, will fall from the ceiling. And there's a couple instances of that where early on when you're like, am I supposed to be doing something here? Is this like a puzzle? Is this another mini game? But I think the further you get into it and the more the supernatural element kicks in, yeah. which is that 
little monitor that starts sending you these cryptic messages. And they say things along the lines of like, they look like you, they smell like you, they are not you, like little things like that, that really do build this great sense of dread. Um, and I think even a couple of times, there's like an image that comes through at a couple, uh, it, I don't really know how to describe it. It's almost like dot matrix yeah, loading of an lines, image. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, which I think just the utilization of that tech is very kind of like unnerving because of the fact of how limited it is and what it's able to detail mm. in what you're looking at. And you kind of have to decipher what it is. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, it has that great buildup and it just leans more and more into the horror to the part, to the degree that, you know, you spend the entire experience like, okay, I have to find a way out. And then once you're greeted with a way out, it's kind of like, do I even want to leave at this point? Yeah. Um, which I think is a really great sort of organic buildup. Um, and it does a lot with, again, this like single location thriller environment that just becomes sort of more like a tomb, mm -hmm. uh, the longer, you know, or I suppose at a certain point, maybe it feels like sort of like a safe room, yeah. uh, somewhere you don't want to leave, but it has this really, really organic sort of build up to things that, um, I was taken with. It's just, I suppose there was a little bit of that aimlessness early on where I was just like kind of questioning everything I was doing, which maybe made me spend even more time in the world of uh, this game, which yeah. doesn't necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, it was that thing where I was just like, oh, I need a little bit more um, sort of uh, reference for what I'm doing other than this one mini game. But, you know, it's a pretty uh, small complaint and something that looked very unique and had a very unique uh, approach to storytelling. I think. Yeah, and I, I think we always say this, that, you know, if something's going to try being something a bit different and trying a bit a bit ambitious with things you know you can kind of let those things slide you know and it, it, yeah. it's not such a problem. oh absolutely i think personally for me it just the point of the aimlessness kind of was getting there just as it clicked with me slightly there was something more you know the, there were tiny progressions going on it's like okay so this time this was happening that wasn't happening there and it's like and, that, and yeah then at that point you kind of get a rhythm for it and it's just yeah, sumptuous the, the way it goes now. Um, yeah, and like I said, the, the great thing about both these games this week is offering us something a bit different, you know, from what we've been covering. And you know, I think this is probably the more distinctive of the two, just in terms of it's not like anything, but is you know very much capturing a feeling of a time rather than um, any particular game, you know, which is what most of the best nostalgic sort of uh, stabs at old games are. Uh, do yeah they're the ones that don't just go remember this remember that game remember that game they um get the mood and atmosphere and style of a time perfectly and you know you have to have lived for it to really sort of click for it obviously but i, I think the effort to get go to those lengths to get here um were commendable absolutely so yeah there's also a, a small detail um, for your pick for the week in the way in which it has this sort of like floaty camera swerving for when you're looking yeah. for when you're transitioning between the areas that I don't know. It just it adds something to the sort of I don't I don't want to say dreamlike quality because that fucking gets thrown around so much. <laughs> by um, us. But mainly. it is the type of. <laughs> yeah. By us mainly. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair. But there's something about that in. Just, you know, making an environment that is quite plain, which is just, you know, mm. a basement. Uh, it just it adds an extra quality to it that's unnerving. It's mm. like, why are you moving in this way? Is it because you're injured from the earthquake? Is it because of some other alter 
ulterior, you know, element of something that's happening, but just like little sort of design decisions like that, um, I think can make the act of just, you know, exploring this small environment that much more just unnerving or debasing, I suppose. Because early on, I was kind of like, oh, this is this is an odd way to switch environments. <laughs> it's almost like, am I this disjointed body? What's going on here? And just, you know, little uh, presentation aspects like that, I think, yeah. can, uh, you know, make an environment even more interesting to explore, I suppose. Yeah. And um, the ending is just strong, very strong, just in, yeah. visually, especially, I think, and just the, the final sort of... Um, you know, interaction on a computer level, I, I think is uh, nicely mm. done. Kind of expected it to be the case, but it was still, I, you know, still executed quite well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I could use my last wish to keep this talk going on longer, but alas, our time our time <laughs> is done for the week. In the meantime, if you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can drop us a DM at Safer in Pod on Twitter. God forbid you should actually get on there. Um, or saferimpod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. Or you can, again, try your luck on Twitter uh, in the DMs of Horrorbytes underscore SR if you'd like to be promoted there, just separate of any interviews or anything like that. Um, Jay, I've decided for my third and final wish that I'd like nothing more than the knowledge that we'll be here again next week with more golden nuggets of horror. Um, we'll, we'll obviously have to wait and see if that came true, but for now, we'll keep searching for more.